Well, let's turn to Philippians chapter 1, shall we? Verses 1 through 6 is where we'll be focusing. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you are all making my Prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul's letter to the Philippians is one of thankfulness, joy, and encouragement, making it unlike his other epistles where there's some correction from Paul for the respective local church to do, Philippians, at the worst, has a warning. It's a reminder for us today, no doubt, and I ask, are we, Cross Life Fort Smith, much different than this Philippians church? As we begin this book today and go through it the next few months, this letter from Paul to the Philippians in around 62 A.D., it might as well have been written to us. Paul is the author. We know this on how he uses his pronouns. Paul writes in other letters, including himself with his travel companions, by using we, us, and our. Paul doesn't do that here in this letter. So why mention Timothy in the greeting? Timothy is near physically to Paul, yes, he is able to visit Paul while Paul was in prison, and we think in Rome. One reason he mentions Timothy to the Philippians, that Philippians know Timothy. Quote, as Paul says, quote, he's proven worth. Timothy was a part of the original church plant in Philippi. Second reason is Paul trusts no one else to deliver this letter to those he loves. In fact, Timothy is an extension of Paul. By putting Timothy in the greeting as well, Paul was validating Timothy's importance. We will learn more about Timothy later in this letter. But for now, verses 3 through 5. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul can't help but smile when thinking of this church. He has fond memories. The church is his baby. He and Timothy helped plant it, after all. The first church plant on European soil. We read a portion last week in Acts chapter 16, verse 8. And through 34, and you can turn there now if you want, just to keep me in check. But if you recall, when traveling and in a new city, um, it was Paul's custom on the Sabbath to go to the local tabernacle to first proclaim to the Jews the good news. Well, there was no tabernacle in Philippi, 
So per Jewish custom, if there were any Jews living in the area, but no tabernacle, on the Sabbath, the Jews would worship at a near river or nearby stream. There, they met Lydia, originally from Asia Minor, now in Philippi. Wealthy and apparently, since she was at the riverside with the local Jews, had at least some interest in the Jewish God. She became a saint as she believed in the gospel delivered by Paul. She and her family, she would go on and host the first church meeting in Philippi. Sometime later, but next in the story of Acts, we are introduced to a slave girl, a local Greek, most likely poor as her owners made money off of her having a spirit of divination, bringing the owners much gain of her fortune-telling abilities. She was no doubt in spiritual turmoil before hearing the gospel. We do not hear much about her after these few verses, but it's not hard to imagine that she would be a part of this Philippi congregation. After being released from the controlling spirit, as Paul commands the spirit in the name of Jesus Christ to come out out of her. And that's why Paul and for some reason only Silas are thrown into jail in Philippi. The other two apostles that were there uh, in the Acts story, Timothy and Mark, for some reason were not persecuted at this time. The slave girl's owners didn't care for what Paul had done, seeing how their way of making money had been taken away. They called upon the local officials and cast blame of unlawfulness on Paul. This is when we meet our jailer, a Roman citizen, hardworking, practical, perhaps believed in many gods we don't really know. But due to the joy that Paul and Silas had in the midst of their persecution, singing hymns and praying, the jailer began to ask questions. And because of this one question, his entire family would go on to be saved. Three individuals three ethnic groups, three wealth brackets, three different spiritual beliefs, now all believers, now all saints, they and their families, because of Paul's joy in Christ Jesus. Oh, Paul has much to be thankful for in the Philippian church, As he reflects back on his fellow saints, it's possible it's there, these three individuals, that he is thinking of in verse 1 when he addresses the church. Quote, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. In no other epistle does Paul mention or address overseers and deacons. In no other epistle does Paul mention or address overseers and deacons. Why he does this? Uh... In this letter, we don't find out. It could be just a special nod to those he is fond of, like walking in a room and seeing one you know. Perhaps he mentions it to remind the spiritual shepherds and servants of the church of their role, to lead well, or to remind the congregates of the church in Philippi to listen to those elected in those roles. It's this church Later in Acts, word had gotten out. The New Testament Fab Four singing about love and preaching the gospel reached Thessalonica. And in Thessalonica, word had gotten out about the church in Philippi. Even before the the four set a foot in the city, 
over 90 miles away in Acts, we learn about this in Acts chapter 17, verse 6 through 7, claiming that these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. It's a little over one day's walk from Philippi to Thessalonica, according to Google Maps. And I'm sure the trail or road is much easier now than it would have been in 62 AD. Paul has much to be thankful for in this church. It explains why he prays for them with joy and explains the partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, mentioned in verse 5. We do learn later in this letter that this church in Philippi has given Paul help financially in the past. Verse 3, Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. It's important that we practice what we learn and I want to hit a pause button on the passage this morning and do what Paul is doing here. Much like the um, parable of uh, casting the gospel seed uh, before the crows come and pick up and take it away, let's practice this now. Thanking God for the partnership, friendships, and fellow saints that we have been a part of. This will be our prayer time. We all have come from different backgrounds, different churches, and it's important to pray for our brothers and sisters in other churches. It's something we do here at Cross Life every Sunday. Either local churches down the road or those miles away, we pray for congregations and their elders. When I look at our members, we represent quite a few churches from the area, Grand Avenue, Eastside Baptist, First Baptist, to name a few, we need to thank God for their roles they and others had in our spiritual growth. Whether you recognize that growth now in your life or not, the fact that you were a member there was no accident. Bow and pray for the church where you had held membership or worship consistently at this time. As we work together to further God's kingdom and not our own. Pray for the current lead pastor. Pray for his family and his wife. If it's elder-led, pray for the now for the elders. Reflecting back. Perhaps the Holy Spirit has reminded you of a spiritual mentor that has impacted you. 
and you would not be where you are today without them. Pray and be thankful for that individual and the relationship there. Did you participate in a retreat or a youth camp, vacation Bible school, or a marriage conference? Give thanks to God for the work in your life while attending there. Heavenly Father, we pause and just thank you for these relationships. These maybe some experiences where there was much spiritual growth that you, we recognize your involvement in, that you put in our lives. It was no accident. It was designed by your purpose to help us along, to best glorify you. We thank you for Paul's letter now for this example, that we too need to take pause and recognize fellow saints that are hungry for more of you, long to worship you, we lift them up to you now as they most likely are doing the same in worshiping you this morning, wherever they may be. It's your precious holy name I pray, amen. But to pray with joy, did I mention that Paul was in jail again? When writing Philippians, this time most likely in Rome, how can one have such joy in such a state? Being persecuted, not knowing one's future, this is Paul. We know Paul. Shipwrecked, life-threatened, beaten in and out and back in jail. The Philippians would know this, and he even writes later to them in chapter 4, verses 12 through 13, quote, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. But I still ask how. Verse 1 says Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Some translations have it as bond slave or it's doulos in the Greek. Paul is a willing servant of Christ Jesus in that there is much humility. 
Paul doesn't address himself as an apostle as he does in other letters. He doesn't need to show his credentials or authority to the Philippians. He is and has been in the trenches with the congregation. But Paul has joy in all things because he has his sights in line with Christ Jesus. I want to read to you what Oswald Chambers, with the right perspective, and he quotes 2 Corinthians chapter 2, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And he goes on. The proper perspective of a servant of God must not simply be as near to the highest as he can get, but it must be the highest. Be careful that you vigorously maintain God's perspective and remember that it must be done every day, little by little. Don't think on a finite level. No outside power can touch the proper perspective. The proper perspective to maintain is that we are here for only one purpose, to be captives marching in the processions of Christ's triumphs. We are not on display in God's showcase. We are here to exhibit only one thing, the captivity of our lives to the obedience of Christ. How small all the other perspectives are. For example, the ones that say, I am standing all alone battling for Jesus, or I have to maintain the cause of Christ and hold down this fort for him. But Paul said, in essence, I am the procession of a conqueror. And it doesn't matter what the difficulties are, for I'm always led in triumph. Is this idea being worked out practically in us? Paul's secret joy was that God took him as a blatant rebel against Jesus Christ and made him captive. And that became his purpose. It was Paul's joy to be captive of the Lord. And he had no other interest in heaven or on earth. And it is a shameful thing for a Christian to walk, talk about getting the victory. We should belong so completely to the victor that it is always his victory. And we are more than conquerors through him. We are to God the fragrance of Christ. We are encompassed with the sweet aroma of Jesus, and wherever we go, we are a wonderful refreshment to God. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 4. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, by great endurance and afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech, and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. 
Through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold, we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. Jesus is the source of joy. The angels announced at his birth, do not be afraid. I bring goodness of great joy that will be for all people and on to sing of peace on earth among those he is pleased. A fun acronym for joy is Jesus, others, you. You want joy? This will help. Pray in this way and live out your day out thinking of Jesus first. first. Well, that's worship. Others second. That's missional. And you last. And you will have peace. J-O-Y. Joy is found in Christ. Joy is not based on circumstance. Personal story. Six and a half years ago, my wife called me out on this, said I didn't have joy. Now, it's one thing to be, called, to be labeled that, or not labeled, but just be called out on that. It's another thing for the Holy Spirit to use your own wife to do so. It's humbling. But I was in the process of early in um, self-employment. Uh, we had a newborn. We had just moved to Fort Smith. So I'm not building up a defense, but you might understand if uh, I was a little distracted in my own life. I was doing my daily devotionals, but yet I wasn't thinking J-O-Y, joy, Jesus, others, you. I was thinking more yoj, you, others, Jesus. And that just doesn't sound good. Joy is not based on circumstances. Having gone through the first three chapters with the men in Ephesians recently, we know Paul is very passionate about his prayers, and each prayer is deliberate and personalized for each church. It's no different for the Philippians. His love for this church is deep. At times you have to preach to yourself, and that's what the psalmist does in in Psalm 42 and 43, we read this morning, remind yourself of how good and faithful God is. You sometimes have to remember where you came from and see the grace you have been given. That's what Paul is doing in this thankful letter, reflecting back on the partnership in the gospel. Verse 6, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What does this mean? What is Paul talking here? Well, Paul bases this off of his knowledge of God saving grace and already knowing the Philippians' faith. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul says that Christ is coming to be glorified by his saints and to be admired by all those who have believed in chapter 1, verse 10. That day is coming, and that day should give us joy, his coming. Peter writes about it in his letters. 
John writes about it in Revelation. They speak of this day. Quote, he who began a good work in you, our salvation is God's work. He works in us, and salvation is and through him, so that no one may boast. He opens our hearts like Lydia's. We receive his salvation by faith alone, apart from works, Philippians 3.9, which have, would have been earth-shattering news to, to the Roman jailer. God continues to work in us, and God will complete this work until the day of Christ Jesus. God started the work, God continues the work, and he will complete the work. But Paul already referenced this in the first two verses. Didn't you hear it? Read it with me again. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ, to all God's holy people, everyone that believes in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you, from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you hear it? God is the source of what? Our salvation. Found in what? In Christ. Produced how? Of Christ, through the aid of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 1.8 He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you will be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way it can be of good work if it comes from God. If we can't do this on our own, or we try to do this on our own, yet so many times we try, we want it to be something we can do. Too many Christians want to earn their own salvation, to be a lone ranger, there's no joy in that. There's no church body in that. Nothing to remember and reflect on, to share hope with and joy. It's only the gospel message in the world that your spiritual well-being isn't measured off of doing works. Men couldn't come up with that. Well, man didn't. God did. First Thessalonians Chapter 1. You can turn there if you want. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3 through 6. Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, in labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. And with full conviction, you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and the Lord for you received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. You go on to turn to Romans chapter 8 while I read to you Ephesians chapter 1. You turn to Romans 8 
And I'm going to quickly read Ephesians 1, chapter, or verses 3 through 10. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, and he, and he purposed in Christ, that he purposed in Christ, as a plan for the right time to bring to everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. Romans chapter 8, verse 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, no powers, no height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, we will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 38, For I am sure that neither death, you can't lose it when you die, life, you can't lose it while you are alive, angels can't take it from you, principalities, the fallen angels or demons can't take it. Powers, persons in position of authority can't take it. Things present, current events can't remove it. Things to come, nothing in the future can cancel it out. Height nor depths, nothing in space or ocean, nor any other created thing can separate us from the love of God. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for those who receive and obey the word. And that, fellow believers, is where we find grace and peace. Verse 2. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul knows all about grace. Remember who Paul used to be as Saul. He described himself in verses 4, 9 of chapter 3 in Philippians. You can turn there now. Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 9. He describes himself. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, 
a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Well, in man's eyes, but not God's. But whatever gain I had, he goes on in verse 7, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. That is why Paul can remember fellow believers with thanksgiving in his memories. That is why Paul can have joy in all circumstances. That is why Paul knows God will carry the work in us on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And that, fellow believers, is peace and joy. Peace and joy that comes from God. In Christ Jesus, of Christ Jesus, through the help of the Holy Spirit. Father, we come to you and I'm forever grateful. Amen.